0: Hey everyone, happy Thanksgiving. My name is Lena Abujamra. I'm the host of the Living With Power Hope podcast. I am so glad you tuned in. Even though it's Thanksgiving week, we've got so much to be thankful for. So we wanted to get together and share with you a message that I taught this week in our Facebook community page. I'm doing a series called Unshaken, Strong in Faith No Matter What. And this teaching is from Acts chapter six. I've titled it, Unshaken When It Feels Like I Have Little to Be Thankful For. It's been a crazy year. You know it, I know it. Sometimes it's hard to find everything we're thankful for, Uh, but a look at scripture would show otherwise. So I pray that this message will encourage you as it has encouraged me. I know that the story of Stephen is going to pump you up and focus your eyes on Jesus. At the end of it, I'm sure that you're going to be more thankful than you were when you started this teaching. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you'll come back next time. In the meantime, listen up, lean in. God's got a great word for you today amen we are in Acts chapter 6 I am uh, in a series called unshaken strong in faith no matter what you should be very familiar with it as we are in lesson 27 all of the teachings are available on YouTube they're available on this page uh, the Facebook community page and if you're listening anywhere right now know that you can go back and listen to so many encouraging messages that we've gone through this year we've sort of made our way from Genesis onward and we're coming to the end we've just got a few more lessons I think three more lessons in this series before the year is done before we we jump into a new series next year in 2021. 2020 has been a crazy year. It's sort of been a, an overwhelming year. It's sort of become a, its own language. There are so many things that we say in 2020 that we didn't used to say before. And uh, and so many ways of thinking and of living that have taken us by surprise. I don't think anyone in the world predicted back at New Year's resolutions of 20 going into 2020, how we would live out this year. And basically from now, we're hitting Thanksgiving week until the end of the year. It's going to be the season of, of, of many of us looking forward to the next year and, and many of us sort of expecting that something magical is gonna happen on December 31st of 2020 as if some you know new thing is gonna surface and I, I think we need to taper our expectations in some ways because the truth is that we're gonna go on until the Lord gets us into the next season but as we start this, this season of Thanksgiving, what I wanna focus our uh, minds and our hearts on is on Thanksgiving and specifically how to stand unshaken when it feels like I have very little to be thankful for four now, again, some of you are hyper-spiritual, you're much more godly than I am, and you might listen to that and go, we always have something to be thankful for. I mean, I get that, but the truth is that there are seasons in life when it just doesn't feel like it. There are difficult seasons. I mean, I look at a life that was not an easy life and yet a rich life, and this is the man, Stephen, he's the first martyr in uh, Scripture, which, uh, in the New Testament, I'm sorry, so you're kind of, you're, there were many who died for the sake of God in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, uh, Stephen is the first martyr post the resurrection of. Jesus, and he, um, of course, I've given you the uh, sort of spoiler alert. You know where the story's going, so already it uh, humanly doesn't sound like a comedy. It doesn't sound like a happy ending in a sense. It sounds like a tragedy, and we're going to see, weave the story in, and we're going to see how uh, what looks like a tragedy often is not, and and, and the hand of God is not, and so uh, you might be living your own tragedy right now. You might be thinking about the kind of year you've had. Maybe you're living through some circumstances right now that have left you literally shaking and questioning and confused. Listen, I'm familiar with that place. I, I know uh, that the weight of pain and and waiting seasons that go on and on and on and sort of wondering, God, what's happening here in this space? And and and, and here's this man, we're going to look at Stephen, who is walking in a, in a very difficult time, and yet he shines so brightly for the kingdom. And, and so in a season where it feels, and again, emphasis on the word feels, like we have very little to be thankful for, uh, I think our eyes are going to be open to three areas. As usual, I'm going to give you three points uh, of gratitude gratitude. And I I believe this story is going to move you. So let me read you just a little bit of verses here in Acts chapter 6, setting the stage of what we're going to talk about. Uh, The the writer uh, here, Luke, writes, now in these days... What days? Well, they were the post-resurrection days. This is post-Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit has come upon the believers. There's a revival happening. Even though Jesus has died, He's resurrected. The very disciples who had abandoned Him at the res- at the cross now are in full force, on fire. Prayer meetings. You know, in fact, chapter five of Acts is a scary chapter where Ananias and Sapphira had lied to the Holy Spirit and had dramatically been killed by the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a so sobering uh, chapter. And in the midst of this, God is still Working heavily in the church and it's growing and 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 as you, many of you who have been in church growth, it's good but it's also hard and you might be walking in that right now. And as the more a church grows, the more there's opposition happening, and the more there's tensions happening. And this was happening in this time. In fact, that's what these days were. It was uh, it was persecution from outside that was starting, but there was also some turmoil from within. And so here here is uh, what Luke writes. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distributions. So there was this big faction in the church, so to speak. There were the Hebrew uh, Jewish Christians now who put their faith in Christ. And then there was the Hellenists, which were the Jewish people that were from the diaspora that that identified more with the Greek culture. And, and they looked down on each other. The Greek, you know, the Hellenists thought that the Hebrews were, you know, super rigid and hyper-legalistic. And then the Hebrews thought that the Hellenist Christians were sort of like, you know, like following the culture and catering to the culture. And so they didn't get along very much. And so in this uh, setting, uh, they started talking against one another and and the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Whether that was true or their perception, it's uncertain, except that it was serious enough that in verse 2, the 12, the disciples, um, uh, the 12 disciples who are now the apostles, summoned a proselyte of Antioch. Mind you all, um, seven of those men were uh, of Greek uh, background, you know, they were not of the Hebrew background, but of Greek background. So it was it was a very interesting uh, move of the disciples, the leaders of this church. They did the right thing. They were led by the Spirit of God, and they chose men that would lead in this need, rather than causing a faction, splitting the church, fighting amongst one another. They prayed and they got together, and they said, "Well, this is a good idea." And 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 they still saw the importance of preaching the word, and so they were able to work through this situation in such a healthy fashion. And you're going to see in a minute, the result of that was very good. And in fact, here it is. Um, it says in verse six, they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And, and here's verse seven, the result and the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So, so already the church is growing, increasing in number. There's, there's a problem in the church. People don't see eye to eye, very familiar language. Again, every week we've studied this uh, stories of scripture. We've seen how much of the culture of back then is similar to now. And here we see this tension in the church of people who sort of have, you know, they want the same thing, but they're looking at it from a different lens and they're fighting amongst each other. And, and, and by God's grace, there's a peaceable resolution here. And, and the result is more fruit and more revival. And even the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Now, in that big movement, also now we're going to focus in on this man, Stephen. And so it says in verse 8, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Sicilia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom of the spirit with which he was speaking. of an angel. Now a lot, a lot is happening here, and I want to back up a little. We're talking about standing strong, unshaken, when it feels like I have a I have little to be thankful for. And so, it, in some ways, there's a lot of good things happening, but we're about to enter a dark time for the life of Stephen, at least the appearances of what was happening. And, and so you could easily look at this and go, man, this is a, this is a difficult time. In fact, here, here's the first point in today's teaching. I'm gonna give you three thoughts. Number one, uh, the life that is unshaken sees God's direction in difficult choices. We want to focus on how to feel and practice gratitude in a season where it might not feel like we're very grateful. Things are happening that are outside of our control, outside of our desire, maybe things that are stealing our comfort, uh, dissensions that we didn't foresee. And, and in it, we can be unshaken. And part of standing unshaken is the ability to give thanks in those moments. Well, the life that is unshaken or, or giving gratitude to God in those seasons sees God's direction and difficult choices. There's a clear path happening here. As difficult as the outside circumstances are, there is a clear path that God is paving in the early church. And that path started, of course, we know the story of the Bible started in Genesis. And we see the path that was set before the birth of Christ, how, how everything in the Old Testament was, was leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ. We see the life of Christ. We spent a couple of weeks together in the Gospels. And of course, the Gospels are the story of Jesus. And then we jump into Acts where now Jesus, by the way, who, who came to earth in order to die, and so even the life of Jesus that looked like it had a difficult course was very much intentional. It was not a surprise to God. It was very much under the control of God's sovereign hand. And so here is this path that God has been setting. Now, Jesus is born. He dies. He rises again. But the story's not over because there's a window of time between that ascension of Christ until the return of Christ. We're now living in that season. And so in Acts is the beginning of that season, and we're now living in that church season where we're waiting for the return of Christ, and and in it, there's no accidents. There are difficult choices, there are painful choices that are happening, and here we see it On a macro level and on a micro level. On a macro level, we, of course, see the beginning of a persecution. There are difficult decisions being made. The church itself had to confront Ananias and Sapphira in the chapter right before where they had lied about their giving and and the church had witnessed the death of this couple. They knew that God was real. They had seen him resurrected. And now they're continuing to grow. And now there's fighting in the church and there's a difficult choice to be made. How are we going to move forward? How are we going to care for the widows? How are we going to get along with one another? that's a difficult intersection. I, I can't belabor that, I can't break it down, but it, you would be naive not to think that Christianity, evangelical Christianity, Bible-believing Christianity is, is in a rift right now. And you can call it political, and you can call it ideological, and however you want to look at it, the truth is that there's a rift happening. And, and while both sides of a rift might say, well, we believe in Jesus, we believe he died for us, and, and the other side might say the same thing, we interpret it differently. And one side accuses the other of being hyper legalistic, and the other side accuses the other of being you know too blended in with the culture and and, and we miss it and, and we can easily look at this and lose sense of A faithful, God-honoring, gratitude-filled life. And yet even in those tensions, as we seek God's way, this is what the disciples did, they sought the Holy Spirit, they prayed through those decisions, there is much to be thankful for. And so here's some sub points. When hard choices are made, always look for God's sovereign hand in them the difficulties that were in the church were not a surprise to God. In fact, God had a plan. He had already predetermined those seven men who would rise up. He already knew that Stephen would rise up even among those seven. Some of the names of the seven I'm not that familiar with. I'm sure you're not that familiar with, but Stephen sticks out. Philip sticks out. These guys had massive stories in the Acts of the Apostles. And and so this was no surprise to God whose hand was sovereignly guiding. We know as we get into the story, you're going to see the layers of Stephen's life that was just astounding and how he impacted the early church and continues to impact us. And so not a surprise to God, the difficult choices, not a surprise to God that, that there was an argument in the local churches, not a surprise to God that those seven men would step up and not a surprise to God that then Stephen himself would have to accept the role of, by the way, serving tables, cleaning house. It was not a massively glorifying job the disciples pretty much were like, we're going to teach the Bible. And, and and listen, we are still living in a in an era where we glorify people who are up front on the stage. We talk about it all the time. We struggle with like, man, just because you're on the stage doesn't make you better. But still, we have this awe of people who are on the stage and it ought not be. And yet that's how we are. And so and so, there's no question. I don't want to overread into the text, but there's no doubt that in that setting, there was sort of this higher priority given to the preaching of the word of God. And we're going to find some men who's going to help the widows and, and clean the tables. And yet Stephen steps into this role as do the other six men that were chosen and they serve God so faithfully. In fact, when hard choices are made, always look for God's sovereign hand in them. Here's another sub point. When hard choices are made, it's up to you to decide how you're going to respond to them you can respond in anger. You can respond in, in, in running and in escaping and quitting. You can be like, man, I'm not, I don't want part of that. You can cancel culture. Just click that dislike button, unfollow button. You can do all those things or you can do what Stephen did, which is step up to the plate, go where he's needed, serve where he's asked to serve and do it faithfully. In fact, he goes above and beyond because he's called now as a deacon to serve tables, to clean tables, to help the widows. But we see him. He doesn't have a minute to spare in verse eight of chapter six. He's full of grace and power. He goes about doing great wonders and signs among the people. And we're going to see, we're not going to read all of chapter seven, but the man knows the word of God. It flows from his mouth. He is in it. He's in season, out of season. He preaches a sermon that shakes the world. And if not the world, then certainly a man named Saul. So how do you respond to difficult choices around you? Maybe you wanted to be a preacher. Maybe you wanted to be a leader. Maybe you wanted to have a certain gift or ministry. And God has you right now in a season that doesn't look exactly like what you wanted it to be. See, how you respond to God's sovereign allowing of the season, how we respond to 2020 tells the story of our life, of who we are. When hard choices are made, our reaction to them affect our entire future. Had Stephen said, well, fine, you want me to serve tables? I'll just go do a bit of cleanup here. Give me the Clorox wipes if you can find them. I'm done, you know, and then put in his, you know, nine to five, finish cleaning up, and then go home and watch his Netflix because that's all he was called to do. If he had ended his story there, but that's not the story of Stephen. You see, the life that is unshaken sees God's direction in difficult choices. There's a difficult situation in the church. There are decisions that are made. Some people are chosen to teach God's word. Others are chosen to clean up. And in the midst of this context, there's a man who is submissive, surrendered, obedient, grateful. Because he sees God's hand in it. You're starting to see this point that I'm trying to make. So how do you stand unshaken when it feels like you have little to be thankful for look like you've got the short end of the stick. You look like you were given a lowly behind-the-scenes role when all you wanted to do, maybe you didn't, I don't know. How are you responding to it? Do you see God's sovereign hand in it? Here's the second big idea. The life that is unshaken sees God's goodness in in the darkest times. The life that is unshaken sees God's goodness in the darkest times. And so this is a dark season uh, that that the church is stepping into it is a fruitful season but a dark season and mind you have you ever noticed that some of our most fruitful seasons in life are some of our darkest seasons in life it's the truth somehow pain is glorifying pain suffering teases things out it's like what we've seen all along when you have tried me I shall come out as gold. It's like we're in the furnace and God just burns off what needs to be burned off. Maybe that is the point of the season you're in right now. God is purifying you and purging some of the things that need to be purged and deepening your love for him. And so, and so this darkest time, though it is fruitful, is not easy. And so yet in this season, if you are to stand unshaken, if you are to see this thread of gratitude, you have to learn to see not just God's direction, but also God's goodness in the darkest times. You say, how? Well, let me give you some examples as we see it play out in the life of Stephen. When circumstances are hard, God's goodness is seen in his power through me. So we see Stephen full of grace and power right there. Those are characteristics of a man who is filled with the spirit of God. It doesn't matter what his job is. It doesn't matter what the external circumstances is. He knows who he is and he is filled of grace and power. And you see that he wasn't the only one who sensed that. At the end of chapter six, where I left off the reading, it says that the people, when they gazed at him, they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. That power of God on him, that power of God in you right now, some of you are indeed walking through extremely dark seasons and, and nothing about your external circumstances is changing, but you see inside the power of God rising in your very weakness. That's what Paul, the apostle, talked about when he said, when I'm weak, he is strong. His grace is sufficient for us in our weaknesses. That's the story of Stephen. I wonder how much of Paul's quote when he wrote those verses Maybe the image of Stephen, we're going to see in a second, the connection between these two men. I wonder if he saw that in his mind's eye. And, and, and interestingly, you even wonder, like, how did Luke, the writer of Acts, know what they were? Because we get a lot of background story here. We hear about how these men secretly instigated men who said, how did Luke know that it was secretly instigated? Well, perhaps that information came later when Paul became a Christian. Again, I'll show you in a second as we get into the story. If you know the story, then you, you're just sitting on the edge of your seat going, ah, I see it now. And so here's, here's these people who maybe some of them later turned to Christ and, and they had told Luke, here's what happened behind the scene. And in it, all the thread that keeps showing up and we see it as you go through chapter seven into, I'm going to pick up the reading in a minute at the end of chapter seven. But as you, as you get into that story, you see a theme and it is the distinct power of God on this man, Stephen. And it starts when he says yes to God. God invites him to do a job that he might or might not have planned on in his life in a year, that he might or might not have planned on in that season. And and God's power is on him. But not only God's power on him, when circumstances uh, is, is hard, but also when persecution is heavy, God's goodness is seen in his anointing over me. There's an anointing on the life of Stephen. You say, where is it? Well, we see it again. They see his face like the face of an angel, the things he's doing. He's doing great wonders and signs among the people. That is a gift that God had put on him. Uh, whether or not you believe now in, in, in the modern day miracles, the fact is that in that era, God's spirit was on Stephen. They could not withstand in verse seven, the wisdom of the spirit with which he was speaking. I, I Soon I'll be posting a dear Lena on the anointing of the spirit. And, and, and I, I had a couple of people asking about that we as followers of Jesus as modern day followers of Jesus are anointed with the holy spirit of God the minute we give our lives to Jesus the minute we receive Jesus his spirit becomes in us i, I love the verse in 1 John chapter 2 verse 20 that says but you have been anointed by the holy one and you all have knowledge I think 2 Corinthians is the other place in scripture in the New Testament that uses that very word anointing. Just a couple of places that that word is used and and, and in it, in 2 Corinthians chapter one, verse 22, Paul says, um, well, in verse 21, it says, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You might not feel like the spirit is on you, but if you are a, a New Testament believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, you've given your life to Christ, you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit On you. That's awesome. In an era, in a year, in a season where it's so hard to see gifts, it's easier to critique, it's easier to look at the cup half empty, all the opportunities that we were hoping for that have not happened, dreams that we had in our minds, plans that we had made that have not come to fruition. It's easy to forget that in it there are gifts that God has given us, His power in us, His anointing on us. So that no matter what you're facing right now, that is your strength believer. The question, as Paul often asks, is are you yielding to the flesh or to the spirit every day as you wake up? Who are you saying yes to? It's a moment. Now, though the spirit comes and anoints you at salvation, he lives in you, he's sealed forever. There is a relational yielding that happens where you're you're now you're not just baptized in the spirit, but you're filled with the spirit so that moment by moment you can either live in the spirit or live for the flesh. And so whenever you want your way and insist on your thing and feel a deep ungratefulness, then usually you're given into the flesh. And in and, and those times in your life when circumstances are hard and you don't see the way out, but you still trust God and, and you speak the truth in love and, and and you try to do the right thing no matter what and, 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 and you pray and you on and on. The things that Stephen did, you serve in the capacity that you can and, and you say yes to the Spirit and each yes draws you closer to an overflow of... His spirit and his power over you. So, when pain is undeserved, so not just when circumstances are hard and persecution is heavy, but when pain is undeserved, God's goodness is seen in his glory through me. God is glorified somehow through our suffering in the way that we respond to our suffering. I'm going to skip chapter 7 a bit and kind of fast forward into the end of the sermon. But by the way, if you want an awesome sermon of the story of the Bible, you don't need to read the entire scripture. You can literally go to Acts chapter 7 and you can learn the story of God as you read the words of Stephen from verse 1 until verse 53, which is the sermon that he gives This guy's incredible, think about it. He's in an age, I don't know who could read in that age. Was he literate, illiterate? Who had grown up teaching him? Was it his mother who told him the stories? He knew the word of God inside and out. And it flows out of his mouth. I'm sure the spirit of God spoke through him in that that sermon, but he speaks powerfully, he speaks the truth, and he ends it in verse 51 with with a convicted call to truth, by the way, Stephen is the only one who gave that sermon. There's seven of them, the men of good repute, there's the disciples, but we see this sermon. Sometimes we all feel compelled all the time to preach all the time. I'm struck in scripture how God sometimes uses us to speak loudly and other times to be silent. In this setting, in this place, Stephen was asked to give a sermon and the end of it was a very direct sermon where he confronts the culture and he says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. You have to be fooling yourselves if you don't think in the next years ahead, you and I as followers of Jesus will not be called at some point to speak a hard truth. We don't need to do it every day. We don't need to do it harshly. We need to prayerfully seek one. It's the right time to do it. But there will come a place where we might need to speak words that are direct and hard to a culture that is in desperate need for truth. Are you ready for that day? But you see, God's hand is on Stephen. He's not speaking out of line. He's not doing it to, to, just to tick people off. He's doing it under the compulsion of the Holy Spirit and and the result is, is, is not immediate revival. The result is they're so mad. He, he goes on, he says, Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. He brings it back to Jesus. Always, always all about Jesus. Verse 54, here's their response. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The first point in today's teaching is the life that is unshaken sees God's direction in difficult choices. The second point is the life that is unshaken sees God's goodness in the darkest times. These are dark days for the early church. And the third point is this the life that is unshaken sees god's faithfulness in the worst outcomes I, i'm just in awe of the way this early church and what was happening there resembles what we're going through today with with one big difference i, I try to picture how we in 2020 would be how we would try to act in the same setting and i promise you that our response to this would not be much like Stephen's right now. Our response would be to get on social media and attack the other party and critique those who are ruling and try to change laws and get people elected. And instead, this man asks that God would bring them repentance. In fact, the result, and I'll I'll kind of skip over in verse four of chapter eight, the result is that they scattered and went about preaching the word. There is a focus, there is an attention to what is urgent, what is most important in the early church that we have completely missed. We're so sidetracked and distracted by things that don't matter. We think it's about our freedoms. We think it's about our rights. We think it's about the things that are impinging on my comfort. Will I be able to do the things that I've always done? And we miss that there is a bigger unseen battle, and it is a battle for truth, a battle for light, a battle for hope. And anybody who does not claim the name of Jesus does not have the freedom that you and I experience. And so we see modeled in Stephen and in the early church a response to persecution that is humble, that is worshipful, that is deeper in rootedness, in the truth, and that is stronger. And we see a fire spread of revival. And it has nothing to do with politics and with personal rights. In fact, the more the church grew, the heavier the persecution, the deeper the work of God, the greater the joy. The life that is unshaken sees God's faithfulness in the worst outcomes. You say, man, this ends so badly. Stephen dies. Where's God's faithfulness here? He gave his life preaching the gospel. He stood for truth. He was helping the widows. This is what he gets for his obedience. And yet, his faithfulness, God's faithfulness is seen in the way he welcomes us into his abiding presence. We see it so visually. In fact, Scripture, those who've written about this, say that the only picture of Jesus standing up in heaven is this picture here. He's always sitting at the right hand of God, except when Stephen is about to die, Jesus stands up to welcome him into heaven. That abiding presence. So many of us think, man, Stephen is so cool. He sees the heavens open and he has the sense of Christ's presence. Listen, that presence is ours always, the new covenant promises that, that now we no longer need to go to the temple to see God's presence. We no longer have to go through priests. We've got the living word of God. We've got him in us. His word is in us. He's imprinted himself in us so that the minute we come into Christ, his very presence is so promised to us. So you might feel the most alone that you've ever felt. You might be the most isolated that you've ever been. You might be sitting in your home this Thanksgiving with no one because your family doesn't believe in getting together. That's fine. That is not the point. The point is you are not alone. His presence is with you. He's faithfully with you, always with you, whether like Paul, you're in a jail cell writing half the New Testament or you are with hordes of people celebrating a supper. Christ's faithfulness welcomes us always. He will never leave us, never forsake us. We can boldly declare that, even in the worst outcomes. His faithfulness uses my pain to influence others for good. I've hinted about it already in the few minutes that I've taught this now, the last few minutes, but we see it glaringly. You say, man, why do you keep bringing bringing up Paul? Well, Because the legacy of Stephen, the first martyr, is directly related to the Apostle Paul, arguably the greatest Christian in the New Testament. And so, so, so Stephen falls onto his knees. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul approved of his execution. You might be wondering who was watching this besides Jesus. The people were enraged. Were they thinking clearly? We don't know where the disciples were. There's no mention of them. But one thing we know is that there is a man named Saul And he's called for the death of Stephen. It's just one chapter later that the apostle Saul or the apostle, then Saul, the apostle Paul has his conversion encounter with Jesus. How much of Stephen's story softened Paul, Saul's heart? How much of Stephen's story stuck with Saul? He was only one of many Christians that Saul killed. We know by the writings of Paul that his past life, though he was forgiven of his past, though he knew that there was no condemnation, he's the one who wrote these words that his past was behind him, his eyes were to the cross, though he knew that, we also know that he, was, he never forgot what Christ had saved, saved him from. And I wonder how many times in his mind's eye he would close his eyes and see the face of Stephen. The life that is unshaken sees God's faithfulness in the worst outcomes. Listen, God's faithfulness uses my pain to influence others. Some of you right now, you're hurting. God is using your pain to influence those around you. You might not know it. You might never learn it. You might die and go on to eternity and never know the impact on a soul in your life. And lastly, Christ's faithfulness sustains my part in God's big story. It's 2020, the end of 2020, one of the arguably worst years that we've had in decades. I think about the year of 9-11. It was a bad year, but not as bad as 2020. It's been a hard year, and and as we now start moving into 2021, the realization that January 1, 2021 is not bringing about change is is sort of sobering. The idea that we're still gonna be in masks, still isolated, still under all these rules, still wondering what will happen, it's a sobering reality. And yet how many of us thought that we would be sitting here talking about a man named Stephen? I wonder how many people back in the early church when this happened and they gathered together maybe to mourn the death of Stephen. How many of those Hellenists I wonder those early Christians who remember when there was that fight in the church and the Hellenists and the Hebrews and the ladies that were ministered to by Stephen, I wonder if they gathered together and shed some tears and, and felt that pain and then had to scatter. They couldn't even mourn for a while. They had to scatter because there was a persecution. So they had to go out and, and separate and be in different places and spread the word of God and live faithfully. And I wonder in those early days, how many of them really thought that we in 2020 would be talking about them back then and, and, and drawing strength from their strength back then, how many of them really understood their place in God's big story? You and I have no idea how our story plays out in the great story of God's kingdom, but what we're promised is that we do play a part in it. Listen, if you are in a season right now where you have little to be thankful for, the life of Stephen reminds us that you Can stand unshaken, you can overflow with gratitude because of God's direction in difficult choices, because of God's goodness in the darkest times, and because of God's faithfulness in the worst outcomes. I read this, I was looking for quotes as I end this teaching. I was looking for quotes right before I started and came across this about gratitude by Rick Warren, and I thought it was a, you might want to jot it down just a reminder of how we can respond to how God is working in our life. Rick Warren wrote, happy moments, praise God. Difficult moments, seek God. Quiet moments, worship God. Painful moments, trust God. Every moment, thank God. Every moment, thank God. Every moment, thank God. God. In a year where we might have little to be thankful for, it turns out that we have much to be thankful for, but they may not be the most obvious things. Will you take on that challenge this week? Would you, would you ask God to open your eyes to his direction, his goodness, and his faithfulness, no matter what you're going through right now? In a moment, we're going to pray. As we get ready for that, do the usual. You can uh, put up your prayer requests over on the wall here, many of you have been leaving comments. If you're watching this later in the week, maybe maybe you've had a challenging week with Thanksgiving, maybe you've been uh, not celebrating the way they usually do, tensions in your home, maybe you're in a uh, wondering what's going on with your relatives who are at the hospital, you can't be with them, we wanna pray for you, we wanna pray for health needs. Uh, we have so, so uh, much to learn from the story, so much to take in, to consider how are we reacting to what's happening around us in the church and outside of the church? Are we readying our hearts for revival? A huge revival happened in the early church and it started at the seed of uh, the blood of the martyrs, people like Stephen, the first martyr of the New Testament, and then many others after him. Uh, Paul would eventually be killed for the kingdom. There were many others, the disciples, 11 out of the 12 died for the sake of the gospel uh, and they counted it as loss, their life as loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. Whatever it is that you're going through that seems challenging right now, can you you declare like the Apostle Paul did in Philippians 3, man, I count it as loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. That is what we're here for. That is what we want to declare and live. And we have his anointing to help us do that. So let me go ahead and close us in prayer. Well, I told you you're going to love the message. Isn't it awesome to think about all God has done for us? Listen, you and I can stand strong no matter what, full of gratitude, even when it seems humanly speaking that we have little to be thankful for. I pray this message has encouraged you. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, please do it today. Share this message with a friend. Above all, we'd love for you to come back. Next week, we'll be back to Dear Lena, and you can send me questions about anything related to God, life, and culture at livingwithpower.org. Also, if you like this message and want to hear more of it, check into our Facebook community page. All you need to do to access it is go to livingwithpower.org and click on the blue box that says join our community at the top of the page. I would love to see you live on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central where I teach every week something from scripture and I can't wait to see you. In the meantime, have a great week and happy Thanksgiving.